Thank you for listening to this artist talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, exhibiting artist Bridget Curry and performance artist Alison Curry explain their collaborative work in Versus Rodan, Bodies Across Space and Time. This exhibition is showing until the 2nd of July, 2017. I'm delighted to introduce personally Bridget Curry and Alison Curry. Hello. <laughs> So we'll let Alison take a few deep breaths and have some water. Um, and I'd be delighted to hand over to Bridget Curry, whose practice um, crosses uh, sculpture, performance, installation, and, um, and uh, is deeply informed by the ideas of um, spatial philosophy and the sustainability of practice. Um, and we'd just love to know a little bit more about um, how, this, how this work came about and how you came to work mm. together. Mm, okay. Um, uh, hello, everyone. Um, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, this piece that is a collaborative work with Alison and I is a performance work that's kind of uh, semi-independent from the installation. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to be performed with these objects, and you may have noticed that there's a pattern. So it's quite formal. There's a a distinct choreographic pattern that's interrupted by the objects. So there can be various different forms. Um, and I guess we developed the work, uh, was began developing the work two years ago. Um, and that was in quite a different context. We had a black box theater, we had uh, different objects, and here today we have a much more theatrical setting. So I'm quite interested in the staging of abstract sculpture and making like a set, I guess. It's very theatrical. Um, so today we've developed the work further and um, we have this rather very um, backdrop-like forms and, and, and environment for them to live in. Uh, so the, the work Things Meeting Now can be in very, very many different forms. Um, and the piece that remains here is called Spooky Action at a Distance, which I don't know if anyone's very interested in um, physics here. Anyone? <laughs> I am, and I love theories about entanglement. So tell us more. Um, so when uh, Einstein was looking at quantum physics, one of his arguments against quantum physics was uh, what he called the theory of spooky action at a distance, which is the fact that two... Um, two things, we should say, I can't really say things, but anyway, two things can be affecting each other when they're not in close proximity. And that theory was actually proven to be correct last year, um, which is a very interesting idea that something can be physically separated but can be affecting each other. And I find that as a really interesting tool to think about art and particularly objects in relationship to a viewer or a body and a space that one can be affected by something without it touching you or without it physically being next to you. Maybe it's a memory or maybe it's a thought. These things can still be very profound in our understanding of um, the world and how we can be affected by objects and how we can be affected by ideas and by art. Um, so that's why this work is called Spooky Action at a Distance. <laughs> it's my homage to... Um, that wonderful theory being proven uh, last year, which was very exciting. 
Um, Ali, I don't know if you want to say anything at all, or you? I guess in regarding how it was developed, should I talk a bit about that? Yeah. Um, so Bridget and my practice seemed to sort of not intentionally, but perhaps as spooky action and resistance, <laughs> be quite similar in, in ways. And so I've been interested in the connection between sculpture and dance for a number of years and in the work that I make. And so Bridget and I have collaborated once before. Mm. Um, and we talk, I was in London doing masters and Bridget was in Spain and so we talked about making another work together while we were away and yeah. that's how this started but also because and and like Bridget said it can have can the choreography can kind of adapt to the sculpture and so this is a new form that we um, that I readapted the choreography mm. for and um, also the leather is different to what we were using in another mm. iteration of it um, and this this piece is very heavy actually so the interruption is quite physical for Alison's incredibly difficult piece on the shoulders and back to perform um, yeah. yeah it's um, we kind of liked that actually about mm. it that we would yeah intentionally create ob an obstacle and mm. a physical obstacle with the, the sculpture mm. but it does have the consequence of being quite difficult to rehearse because <laughs> yeah. i just get so fatigued that i can't do it <laughs> yeah yeah um probably to say as well i mean obviously we are siblings and um one really wonderful thing about that is that when we work together we often don't really need to have huge discussions about shared language because we're already very good at understanding one another and um, in the past when we've worked together we, we sort of have developed a bit of a lexicon of forms that often involve um, cloth, um, weight and mass really when we, when we work together and I think that's something that affects both the history of dance and, and of sculpture in, in, in terms of modernism very strongly kind of spatial aesthetic form and um, mass um, and that idea of the relation between the body and an object is fundamental to kind of 20th century practice and um, so those shared roots and ideas we we have in common um, and that historical understanding is very important for us as well and we also t talked about the relationship between object and subject and uh, the yeah. object being animated to become mm. subject mm. and the body becoming object at times. So that's another yeah. kind of mm. comparison between the, mm. the physical movement and the sculptural form. And the thought that maybe a body of a person can be just as alive as, uh, an, an object can be just as alive as the body of a person is um, something that's very interesting to, to us. <laughs> and I guess also that's partly why it was exciting to have an object that obscured the movement because mm. it is, you can see evidence of it affecting the body. Mm. And yeah, I think this piece in particular, it's quite, you feel the challenge as an audience, perhaps you do. Um, and it really has a weight to it that kind of, yeah, it's quite, um, 
makes you feel very empathetic. <laughs> makes me feel empathetic anyway towards Alison. <laughs> I guess also as an experience of this work, what I quite enjoy and find satisfying is um, comparing my body or matching my body with the objects. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that was visible with what I was doing, but I, I quite enjoy and find that satisfying as well. Mm. And if anyone has any questions, we'll be very happy to answer them. <laughs> oh, good. Thanks, Lee. <laughs> um, so, so do you do you feel these works are sort of um, an embodied form of communication as well? Just thinking about you both making the work at a distance from each other originally when you were um, as a means of actually connecting? Hmm. Um, as I was saying, I think communication is very f free with, yeah. <laughs> with, between us. But um, in terms of the object, I mean, I'm always really interested in, because I'm interested in abstraction, uh, how abstractions understood is something very um, important to my practice. How to make visible something abstract and as ephemeral as a, also a yeah. concept of quantum physics as well, but uh, also on more of an emotive level. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the thought of uh, sort of ideas from neuroscience as well about how um, human beings perceive the world and how we understand form and shape and just the process of the brain understanding things is quite fascinating to me. And I think um, that's something that comes across in the work we do together. We're both interested in this perception of like, how do you, how do you understand something that's quite abstract? Is it through pattern? Is it through repetition? Is it through these various forms of perception that can be quite formal? Yeah. So does that also tie into the, the shapes um, and the, the sort of very gestural, um, almost like they become corporeal traces in a way mm. they, even though they, they are not made in that way, to me, I, I read them as almost traces of the performance left behind. They are very physical and they are um, very quick, um, these drawings, that they're, they're very much, they are <laughs> traces of me really working very fast and very loose. Um, and so I hope that they do have that relationship with the movement as well. Um, yeah, and that's something quite new in my practice um, that's only been going on for about a year um, with the backdrops and things. It's a new development, yeah. And um, the relationship, oh, we have a question. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, thank you, that was all very fascinating. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, whose back and arms uh, is the cast made from? They're not casts. They are. Well, what, yeah. do you, what do you call them? They're they're um, they're sculptures that are not cast. They're made um, very freely, actually, with a type of paper clay. Um, so I don't cast anything with these works. They're kind of uh, also very gestural. Um, and when I make them, yeah, they're they're very. Uh, expressive, I guess, and very free. Um, so they have got a resonance as being a back or an arm or a heart or a bone, bodily parts. Uh, but they're not literally any of those things. But one can imagine those forms within them, certainly, yeah. So I just wanted to add, 
sorry, Alan asked if they were cast of whose arms they were cast of. And so when we came together with these objects and Bridget had these objects, I kind of just explored what I could do with them and how they, how I could match my body to them or how I could fit my body inside. So just fortunately, I can actually fit my arm inside <laughs> both of those, but actually not by design, right. just by chance. And so it, it enabled more movement, which was interesting to us. But yeah, it wasn't actually cast on my arm. Uh, how heavy is... Um, yeah, how, how heavy is... I guessed four kilos, but I'm not sure. And Bridget thinks heavier. It's partly because of the shape that makes it encumbering. Yeah, and then there's the the leather. The leather is also quite heavy. I know, I could see that. It takes quite a lot of strength to hold it up. I think we have time for one quick question. Did you have one? How did you uh, uh, make the big piece? Because those um, curves inside look so fluid as if it has been cast from cloth. Um, the process I used to work with this type of clay is I sort of build uh, an interior form, uh, often out of wire and plastic. And then I, they're, they're really, really loose and fluid the way I make them. So then I drape the clay over it and it, dry, it dries. And I remove what's inside the, um, the form. And yeah, it's quite a precarious process. So it's quite complicated. <laughs> um, and to get those forms, yeah, it can be um, a matter of making, making 10, of, uh, 10 objects before I'm happy. So yeah. Mm. Great. Well, I think um, we, we'd just like to say thank you very much to Alison for an extraordinary performance and thank you to Bridget Curry for making this wonderful new work. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you.